Lights, camera, action. Hey everyone, I'm Graydon, and this is the Director's Cut right here on the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Exclusively, I should say, on the Bloodline Entertainment Network. So you can find me doing these type of things, going deep dive into the world of movies. Right here at the Bloodline Entertainment Network. We have everything for you. Everything from video games, to movies, to entertainment, and wrestling, and more. We have a lot more on our website now. We got a bunch of great writers. Yours truly even has written two articles thus far on his, <laughs> on the Bloodline Network website. That's bloodlinenetwork.com. Check out our merch store. You can find that on there, too. All, and down in the description below is all of our social medias, where you guys can come find us daily right here on the BEN. We have a lot of new programming coming your way, so stay tuned for that. If you haven't caught me doing my new programming, I do something called Coming Attractions, where that is where I go through some trailers and react to them. So check that out. Our first one's up. That's Wonka. These will be periodically as a trailer comes out that is something worth reacting for. So I won't do all the trailers, but I'll do quite a bit of them. Anyways, without further ado... Today, if you don't, if you see down below, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to come with me as we deep dive into the world of movies right here on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, right here on the Director's Cut. And what I plan on doing today is not only do I plan to take you through the timeline, which is pretty, the, the chronological timeline is pretty easy here because the movies go in order. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. All, to seven, but this is part seven. All they all are in order, but I'll give you a little synopsis of each one, so that way you know where we're going in the storyline as I talk about Dead Reckoning, part one. All right, so here we go. The first one, Mission Impossible, started in 1996. Wow, 20, 2026 would be 30 years if they do this for another three years. If, if this writer strike and actor strike prolongs Dead Reckoning Part 2 to 2026, this franchise would be going on for 30 years. Wow. That's amazing. And Tom Cruise now is it? Here's a little trivia for you. Tom Cruise now is as old as John Voight was in the first one. Mm hmm. In this movie, John, uh, Tom Cruise is as old as John Voight was in the first one. Think about that. 1996 says Mission Impossible introduced us to Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt, a highly capable agent within the elite Impossible Missions Force, or the IMF. Espionage agency Hunt, believed to be the mole within the IMF, flees and sees, sets out to discover the traitor's true identity. This co-stars, besides Tom Cruise, John Voight, Amelia Beert, and Henry Zerny, star alongside Cruise, as does the series' most recurring supporting actor, Vin Rames. It's the only film in the franchise directed by... Brian De Palma, you might know him from Scarface. <laughs> yeah, so the director of Scarface is this is the only one he directed was the first one. The box office, I'm just letting you know what the box office is. The finished box office of this movie was four, $457,696,391. That's the box office of the first one. Mission Impossible 2, just called 2. There's no tagline. At the back of it, Ethan Hunt returned four years later for Mission Impossible 2, a sequel that tasks the agent with recovering a dangerous bioweapon and its cure from the hands of a nefarious pharmaceutical company and its lackeys. Kind of, this is kind of, the first three were kind of more similar to what the TV show was, the um, Mission Impossible TV show, 
or they would go against real criminals like pharmaceuticals. There's a mole in the IMF. They go after stuff like that. It's not these world-bending, world-ending missions that they come on to in later movies. The sequel weaves another spy thriller plot through the explosive stunt work, chasings, and the drama of blackmail and stolen identity. It's the only movie in the series directed by action film legend John Woo. This is why this one's much more action-oriented, because John Woo's in here. So now we have two different actors who've been in this franchise thus far, and we were only two movies in. Mission Possible 2 scored at the box of us $546 million. $388,108. So after two movies, Tom Cruise has a billion-dollar franchise on his hands, folks. It's a billion-dollar franchise after two movies. Mission Impossible 3 in 2006. Mission Impossible 3 introduces us to a love interest for Ethan and Michelle Monaghan's Julia Mead. The plot sees Julia unwittingly mixed up in Ethan's espionage work, which once again focuses on the recovery of a bioweapon. Thus, like the TV show, they've done a lot of bioweapons, a lot of chemi- chemical weapons. Vin Rames again reprises his role as Ethan's trusted colleague, Luther. Other cast members include Philip Seymour Hoffman, Billy Kudrow, Kerry Russell, Simon Pegg, and Lawrence Fishburne. So an ex- Tom Cruise could get an exceptional star, all-star cast to work with him. That's all. Ha- no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Tom Cruise could get stars to work with him. And that's amazing because look at that lineup. Kerry Russell, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Ving Rhames. I mean, Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg go on from this one to continue on with Tom Cruise and the rest of them. Mission Impossible 3 was J.J. Abrams' feature, direct, feature film directorial debut. It's the only movie in the franchise he directed. Yes, now we get J.J. Abrams' first film he ever directed in Mission Impossible 3. You know, Mr. Lens Flare from Star Trek, Lost. He's the guy who helped create Lost. Yeah, the last TV show? Yeah. J.J. Abrams, folks, directed Mission Possible 3. This one, I didn't really care for. I own it, as you guys can see. I am a I am a um, fiscal media fan, so I do own the third one. But I kind of stopped there. There's a reason for that. Uh, Mission Possible 3 was, J- I said it was J.J. Abrams' feature film debut. And this only garnered $398 $479,497. So the first three are the, the third ones of the first three are, is the number three is the most underperforming one out there. The most underperforming one out there. Mission, we're to number four now. Mission Possible, Ghost Protocol. They just dropped the, they dropped the numbers. They dropped the numbers. The first of the more modern Mission Impossible movies, Ghost Protocol, was a big success for Paramount, grossing nearly $700 million United States dollars or $700 million worldwide. Another tale of de- deception with potentially earth-shattering consequences. Ghost Protocol tasks Ethan and company with tracking down Russia's stolen nuclear codes. This movie ends by setting up the syndicate, a terrorist network, as the next film's big bad, which is what I like here because you have kind of have the first three that are their own trilogy. Then four sets up for the next big bad in the syndicate. So the next few are their own series. I kind of like that. It's kind of like James Bond. You can watch the James Bond movies all together in one setting. We can watch them individually, and they're still a James Bond movie. I like it when a franchise does something like this. 
or they're like, oh, here's this trilogy that could stand alone on its own right, but here's it part of this bigger franchise. So each little section could stand on its own, but it also could, it's part of this grander story we're telling. And I like that. That tells you a lot about stuff like this, folks. Ghost Protocol was directed by Brad Bird from The Incredibles. Yeah, the guy who did The Incredibles directed this one. Cruise and Peg returned for uh, Mission Impossible 3 and were joined by newcomers Jeremy Renner and Paula Patton. This one outsurpassed 3. This was this one right now besides the fur this number 4 is the best is the best monetary wise for it getting 694,713,380 million dollars. So nearly 700 million worldwide. Yes, worldwide. The next one is Mission Possible 5 or Mission Possible Rogue Nation in 2015. Christopher McQuarrie took over the franchise's directorial duties in Rogue Nation, and he's done them ever since. He took him over in Rogue Nation and has done them ever since. So we have now in five, we have one director doing five, six, seven, and Dead Reckoning Part 2, which will be number eight. So... And on to and has held on to it since then. A frequent collaborator of Tom Cruise's McQuarrie has made the two most critically acclaimed Mission Possible movies and the two of the three highest grossing ever. Rogue Nation is another globe trotting spectacle, but with stunt work and sabotage. This time around, Ethan Hunt faces it off against the Syndicate, a shadowy terrorist organization which was set up at the end of Ghost Protocol. Joining Cruise was joining Cruise Peg Renner and Rames in Rogue Nation are Rebecca Ferguson, who's stays on with the team, Sean Harris, Simon McBurney, and Alec Baldwin. This box office score didn't compare to four, but it's a good outing by a new director. 682,714,267. So after five movies, Tom Cruise has like a almost a $2 billion franchise on his hands. Slightly over $2 billion franchise on his hands. After five movies. Wow. That's impressive. No wonder the guy wants to save the movie theater theater experience. Number six, Mission Impossible Fallout. The most recent Mission Impossible is the franchise's most critically acclaimed and commercially successful film. Fallout features a healthy say, servings of Mission Impossible staple ingredients, government conspiracies, double crosses, and bombastic set pieces. But it's stated in IGN's review, the main draw is watching Tom Cruise do his death-defying thing. Yes, this one actually shows us that Tom Cruise actually does his own stunts. He's 61 years old in Dead Reckoning Part 1, the actor is. He does his own stunts in there, and I'll explain a little bit more when I get into that review. The Syndicate, now is still here, rebuilt as the Apostles, returns as the antagonist organization in Fallout. Ethan Hunt is accompanied by Henry Cavill's August Walker, who is tasked with recovering three plutonium cores to prevent the detonation of three nuclear bombs. So we're kind of going back into the basics with this one, but it's still the syndicate organization, just rebranded. Cruz, Peg, Rames, Monahan, Ferguson, Baldwin, and Harris all return from the series past, while Cavill leads a group of newcomers that includes Angela Bassett, Wes Bentley, and Vanessa Kirby. Some thought this was Tom Cruise handing the mantle over to Henry Cavill's character. Some really thought that, that... Tom Cruise is done. Here's a new team coming in, led by Henry Cavill. That's what many people thought. I even thought that going into Fallout. 
when I was in the process of watching the movie, I even thought that, that this was the end of Tom Cruise. This was the end of Ethan Hunt's story. And it will just continue on with a new group of IMF agents. Like the TV show did. When somebody dies or they are captured or caught, the secretary disavows any knowledge of their actions. And it's the truth. Look it up in there. It's when the right before the message self-destruction it says that if you or any of your team are caught or captured or killed, the secretary would disavow any knowledge of their actions because the IMF was a secret covert espionage group. So, yeah, the government would deny any existence that it did happen. Uh, this one, like I said, was the most acclaimed and financially successful. It was $791 million. $115,104,000. Wow. He's now sitting at almost $3 billion franchise going into part one of the last two movies. So here we go. Dead Reckoning. Now here's a review of Dead Reckoning part one. Thanks for bearing with me during that time, during that synopsis rundown. This is the first of two blockbusters in Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Part 2, which Part 2 is slated to come out to theaters next year. Unless they film them back-to-back, I think it might be pushed back. But, but that's just me because of the writers and the because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike that's going on right now. I really think this is going to be pushed back. I could be wrong. They could have filmed both parts simultaneously, which if it's the same story, they probably did. That way, it's fresh, it's there, it's done. We don't know. They never said anything about it. And during the press junkets for this, Tom Cruise was tight-lipped saying that he wasn't going to say if these were filmed back-to-back. Neither did Simon Pegg, neither has Vin, Ving Rhames. Nobody has said if these were filmed back-to-back. I, I, if I had to take an educated guess, I would say yes. They were filmed back-to-back. All right. This is a direct sequel to Fallout. Direct sequel. Maintain the same, uh, uh, the synchronology between the series narrative and the release chronologically. And the release chronologically. Here's the official synopsis. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team embark on their most dangerous mission yet to track down a terrifying new weapon that threatens all of humanity before it falls into the wrong hands. With control of the future and the fate of the world at stake, and dark forces from Ethan's past closing in, a deadly race around the globe begins, confronted by a mysterious, all-powerful enemy. I'll get to that in a moment. Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than his mission, not even the lives of those he cares about the most. And I want you to, I will reread that last part again. I want you guys to pay attention to what is said there. Ethan is forced to consider that nothing else can matter more than his mission, not even the lives of those he cares about the most. Sounds almost backwards to Fast X in this last one. And with a huge weapon that could that destroys Dom's family. Maybe Fast X is learning a thing or two from this franchise. I mean, it wouldn't hurt them. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't hurt them. It, it, it seriously wouldn't. All right. So now into my review after the, the synopsis. Tom Cruise, 61 years old, like I said, and producer still insists on risking life and limb for our viewing pleasure. 
doing his own outrageous stunts and action scenes that make only the minimal use of CGI. So the CGI in here was very minimal because it was all done by wires and Tom Cruise himself. We also see Cruise's Ethan Hunt, an agent with the Impossible Missions Force, or IMF, tearing up the streets of Rome in a tiny yellow Fiat, riding a motorcycle off a cliff, and in the most astonishing sequence, hanging on for dear life after a deadly train derailment. Okay, okay. I wanted to stop right there and talk a little bit about these set pieces. When he's driving the motorcycle, they literally strap the camera on in front of him. And so he's driving the motorcycle and you're actually seeing his face. That was actually a camera strapped to that motorcycle. Period. That's how they did it. There's see, there's video out there that shows that him going off the cliff with the camera attached to the front of the motorcycle. The train. The train was built exclusively just to blow up in this movie for the train derailment. They purposely built an entire train just to blow it up. That's how crazy Tom Cruise is about making sure these stunts look real. And and I can't fault him for that. You can tell when a stunt is CGI, is a lot of CGI based as compared to practical effects based. And the practical effects ones look better. They feel more realistic in that scene rather than just, oh, it's that fire is superposed by a computer. Who knows? Maybe it's maybe going back into the past is the future of movies after all. Maybe practical effects will come back out. After all, we all know what happens when you tire out a CGI artist. Isn't that right, Marvel? Isn't that right, Marvel? I'm looking at you. Look at you, Kevin Feige. Don't worry about your your um, graphic designers because it's going to be horrible if you do. <laughs> All right. The plot connects these sequences are preposterous, of course, but a way that's easy to follow. And essentially, timely twist, the big villain at this time around is artificial intelligence. That's right. The all-knowing, all-seeing enemy that's everywhere and nowhere all at once. Artificial intelligence. What does this sound like to you folks? Something like we're going through today, what the actors and writers strike is about? The use of artificial intelligence to do their jobs? How chat GPT is a huge thing right now? Who knows? Artificial intelligence would be taking over. Maybe the Terminator movies were right. Maybe Skynet is taking over, folks. Maybe Skynet's taking over. And if they did, remember it. I consider myself a teacher. And I'm just teaching you the facts of movies, folks. <laughs> so, here we go. It, 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 he's an invisible menace. Everywhere and nowhere. Can wipe out data systems, control flow of information, bring nations to their knees. I wrote that down. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. Hunt and his impossible missions force team are determined to destroy the entity before it becomes too powerful or falls into the wrong hands. But we get a mysterious figure from Ethan's past. You guys remember the first movie, the guy who was chasing Ethan and his family, Kittredge, who we thought was evil, who was the bad guy, but he's actually the voice on the tape. He's back in this one, folks. He's back. He hasn't been seen since the first one, but he's back in this one. He plays this, played by his sister, Henry Zerny, 
Wards hunt to fall in line with the U.S. government, which wants to control the entity and the new world order that is to come. So Ethan, in Dead Reckoning Part 1, is going against the very government that funds his missions. Because they want the entity for themselves, and Ethan and his team just want to destroy it so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And they know what America could do if this thing fell into their hands. This is normally the first time we see Kittredge since, like I said, since the first film. To my mind, it's and to my to my knowledge, the first one is my favorite one of the franchise. This one comes in as a close second, but I can't put this one in here because this is a part one of a two-parter, so this is not a standalone story yet. So, my first one is my best one. It's my favorite one. I w- if I had to rank them, I'm going to say that right now. If I go to rank them, I'd have to go one. Dead Reckoning Part 1, right now. That's there. I'll go 2, I'll go Fallout, Ghost Protocol, and 3. I didn't care for 3. So, those are the 6 thus far. Uh, what did I... F- Ghost Protocol, Dead Reckoning, Fallout... Oh, what was the 4th one? What was that 4th one? Uh, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation will be... Uh, right after Ghost Protocol, before number 3. Yeah. Before number 3... Yeah, right, right there. But that said, director and co-writer Christopher McQuarrie is a sassy job with the most recent ones. Rogue Nation followed a Dead Reckoning Part One. So if you haven't seen Dead Reckoning Part, if you haven't seen this one yet, go back and watch Rogue Nation Fall and Fallout. You can see how this director works and how the movies are paced. I love the pacing of this film. I love the pacing of of those other two as well. I mean, they might not be my favorite ones because I go for more story in my espionage films, not action. I know there's going to be a lot of action in there, but I prefer a story overall. Anyways, to each their own. There seems to be playing slight tribute to the 96 film, even invoking his horrific early set piece in which Hunt watched helplessly as his IMF teammates were murdered one by one. Yes, he replays that scene again. What trauma? That trauma was formative. It explains why in the in movie after movie, Hunt has reportedly put his life on the line for his friends, and that's what Ethan does as the leader of this team. These guys are his team. These guys are his family. These guys, Ethan would do anything for, even die for them, because that's what a leader does. If you've kept up with the series, you'll recognize those friends here. You'll recognize Ving Rhames is back, Simon Pegg, and Rebecca Ferguson are back. You may also remember Vanessa Kirby reprising her fallout role as Ruthless Arms Broker, as Ruthless Arms Broker, giving and giving in a single sequence perhaps the movie's best performance. Yeah, she's only on here for a short time, but it's a memorable one. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to spoil that one for you. There's some intriguing new characters too, including a wily thief, well well played by Haley Atwell. Yes, Captain Carter's in here, who draws Hunt into an extended game of cat and mouse. And Palm Clementiev, you know Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy, sees a few scenes as a mysterious assassin, as this ECI Morales as a glor as as the enemy from Hunt's past. So 
Hunt's past is coming back to him, and Isai Morales is phenomenal in this movie as the villain. Oh, I'm shocked that he waited this long to use him. I'm shocked they waited this long to use him. I, and I'm I'm kind of shocked that way. Um, I lost my tra- my notes. Uh, bear with me for a moment. Sorry about that. Let's see. Here we go. There's a lot of characters, double crosses, chases, fights, escapes, and explosions to keep track of. Even with a running time that pushes north of two and a half hours. Yes, and that's just part one. Part two... Is said to be even longer, or right around two and a half hours, even longer. So together, the Dead Reckoning story is at least five hours long. That's a long movie. <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League was four. Titanic was three. Lord of the Rings were a little over three hours each. So that tells you a lit how long this one will be. And this is the norm now. It's two and a half, maybe two and two minutes and forty-five, uh, two hours and forty-five minutes. Of movie right now. The movie never loses its grip. McQuarrie, a screenwriter first and foremost, paces the narrative beautifully, building and releasing tension at regular intervals. Yeah, the, the action sequences on here will give you edge of your seat performance. If you like those edge of your seat movies, then this one's for you. And I recommend that if that's the case for that. Um, Compared with the visual effects heavy bombastic of most Hollywood blockbusters, Dead Reckoning Part 1 feels like a marvel of old-school craftsmanship just with niftier gadgets. Like I said, a lot of practical effects in here help sell it more so than special effects or CGI ever would. Even Hunt wears his devil-made-care recklessness with a surprising lightness and grace, spending much of the movie's third act on the sidelines and even playing some of his most daring escapades for laughs. Not the actor doesn't take his mission seriously. I don't know if Tom Cruise could ever save. I don't know if Tom Cruise could save the movies, but somehow I never get tired of watching him try. Yeah, Tom Cruise is going to save the movies, folks. And he started with Top Gun Maverick, and he's continuing with Dead Reckoning Part One. So, what would I give this? As you guys know, writer would give it two sweet can't be beat, two uh, it's upside down, two sour don't even bother, or right in the middle of Matt. <laughs> of Matt. That's but when I give this one, it's a two sweet can't be beat. So give me a two sweet, folks. Oh, that's right. It's too sweet. It just can't be beat. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I it's out right now in theater. So go check it out for yourself. If you're a fan of the Mission Possible movies or just want to see a good action film, go watch it out there and have fun. Again, at the movie theaters. And tell them, right in the bin buster, sent you. You don't get anything for it. But just tell them anyways. <laughs> but I just want to say thanks for watching and diving into deep into these dives in these movies. Oh, oh, oh it's a deep burn. Oh, it's so deep. Ah. With me. As always, check down below for all of the Bloodline socials. Instagram, Twitch, Kick, Twitter, Facebook, uh, am I, the website, BloodlineNetwork.com, our merch store at Threadless.com slash Bloodline Network, Bloodline Entertainment Network. So check that out as well, too. 
we're just about anywhere. We're coming with new shows for you guys, daily content on all sides, from videos on here on YouTube to gaming to written articles on our website. Go check them out at the links down below. And while you're doing that, go check out my stuff that I do. I have a YouTube channel myself called Bin Buster where I scour the movie bins at stores and thrift stores to find deals on physical media. And I talk movies from the physical media standpoint on my channel. So if you're a fan of movies, come by. Come by to my channel. Tell tell myself that I sent you over there. So, And that you got me from the director's cut right here on the Bloodline Entertainment Network. Until next time, remember there's more to movies than what we see on the screen. I am Graydon. And I'll be your guide through the films and their history right here on the director's cut. Until next time.